Good morning, everyone. We are glad you braved the weather and you came to worship with us on this cold, snowy December morning. We hope you came prepared to worship. We are celebrating the birth of our King. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. Yay, so many of you remember. Let's try that again. This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. Let's stand up and sing Joy to the World. The Lord has come. He rules the world.
you don't know, make a beeline to them. You have one minute to make them feel welcome this morning. Just run. 
you this morning, Jesus. There is no one like you. There is no thrill on earth that compares with you. You are everything. And we worship you today, Jesus. You're worthy of all of our praise. And we love you. You may be seated as we continue singing about his love coming down. The wonderful thing about this time of year. Let's sing about it. He loved us so much. And you can remain standing or sit or kneel or however you feel comfortable worshiping. We want you to connect the Almighty God this morning to make the choice to worship Him, for He alone is worthy. Let's sing. If my heart is overwhelmed, if my heart is overwhelmed, and I cannot hear your voice, I'll hold on to what is true, though I cannot see. The storms of life, they come, and the road ahead gets steep. I will lift these hands in faith, I will believe. I'll remind myself of all that you've done.
love and praise on you, Jesus. When we think of what you've done, who you are, your faithfulness through all time, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we trust you. We put our trust in you this morning. We rely on you. We need you to be alive, let alone to handle all the stuff we have to handle. We need you, Jesus, and we thank you. We love you. We're going to move into our Advent time now. So if the King family wants to come and join us now, that'd be great. We're going to continue our worship. ago, as we began this, we uh, lit the candle, the first candle, which is the candle of anticipation. We were waiting on the Lord to fulfill his promises, waiting to hear from him, waiting for the promise of the Messiah. Last week, we lit the second candle, the candle of love. Um, reminds us of great love that God has for us, and also ought to remind us that uh, we ought to uh, give that love back to him as well. Well, the third candle is a little bit different. You notice anything different about it, Skyler? <laughs> it's pink. <laughs> it's pink. It's pink because it reminds us of joy. 
This candle is pink because it represents joy. Advent is a time to reflect and to anticipate our joy in the birth of Jesus. But today, we get a little glimpse of what they, that joy looks like. We tend to feel joy when we hear good news. Um, you guys, what would be something that you would consider, like, good news? Uh, getting a good grade on a test. Um, the Chiefs beating the Broncos today. <laughs> My turn already. Well, there's lots of things that can bring us good news, things that stir us up. Uh, the best news I ever heard was that God loved me enough that he sent his son to earth. And his son said, yes, I'll go, Father. And he came and he paid the price for us so that our sins could be forgiven and that we can have a relationship with God. That's incredible good news. How does that make you feel? Um, happy. Um, excited and relieved. Excited and relieved. There's an honest answer for you. I was relieved. We have joy in the good news that Jesus cares for us and wants us to have a relationship with us. So today we light the pink joy candle to serve as a sign of our great joy and our Savior Jesus. Let's pray. God, we just thank you uh, that we can celebrate that good news today. Uh, help us to remember the joy that we have because of the good news of Jesus and uh, give us uh, opportunities to share that good news with others. Amen.
of all days. King of all days, oh, so highly exalted.
Jesus, we honor you today. We worship you. We give you worth. That's what worship means. We are, you're giving you worth today. You, Jesus, are our creator. You are our savior and you are our Lord and our king. I continue to ask you, Jesus, during this Advent season that you would teach us Americans what it means to worship a king. It means to honor a king, to give worth to a king. We make the choice today to center ourselves on you, Jesus, meaning that we're, we're just gonna, we're gonna look to you today. We're gonna open up our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to who you are and what you have done, what you are doing, maybe even to what you are, want to do or are going to do. You know us. You know everything about us. That's not a scary thing. That's actually a very hopeful thing. You know all that there is to know about us. And so we open ourselves up to you and your presence, your grace, your mercy, your love. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray and everybody said, amen. I want to invite our ushers to join us up front. It's a, it's a privilege, a joy to be able to participate in kingdom work. And, um, and so we get the uh, honor, the privilege of doing that today. I just want to say a, a prayer over our offering. Jesus, you are our provider. Thank you for the provision that has come and the provision that is coming. Take what we have to offer you today, use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it, build your church, we pray in Christ's name, amen. church family, we are handing out a free Advent devotional book to each family that will begin on Sunday, December 1st. Our hope is that every family will take time together during each day during the Advent season to do the devotional that focuses on Jesus' coming. You can pick up those books at the Welcome Center in the lobby today. We want to also remind you that Family Christmas Celebration is Sunday, December 22nd at 10 a.m. We will have a number of groups ministering to us. The morning through with music, drama, videos, readings, and more. We will also have a free brunch that morning, so make sure and come. I'm going to get on this train. We will have our annual traditional Christmas Eve service on Tuesday night at 6 p.m. December 24th. It will include carols, candle lighting, communion, and of course, the Christmas story. It's always a wonderful time to worship, focusing on the birth of Christ. <laughs> All right, so we got a couple of neat things coming up. One of the things that wasn't mentioned on uh, the video is our Christmas uh, Day dinner 
that we do for our community every year. Uh, again, uh, just to remind you, the, the report from Thanksgiving Day, uh, we had 70 people come in um, to join us uh, for, for a meal, and I think we sent out about 100 meals. Um, we never know from year to year um, who's going to need food, but we're always ready to serve. So we do that Christmas Day. If you're willing to serve, first of all, uh, our servers need to show up about 1030 and stay till about 130, 1.30 or so, help, helping clean up and all that stuff happening right in here in this room. But one other note about the meal is we need mashed potatoes. Is that right? So give us a quick notion about what... So uh, the meal this year is uh, ham and uh, yam and mixed vegetables and rolls and pie. But uh, we need some mashed potatoes. Specifically, uh, you can get these at Safeway or whatever. We need about three of these uh, made of mashed potatoes. And uh, April in the back, uh, she's coordinating the food. So if you could bring those by the church or tell April to bring those by the church, Okay. Very good. So we need three of those pans of mashed potatoes. We don't want 30 of those pans of mashed potatoes, okay? So if you're willing to sign up for that, connect with April before you leave today so we can make sure we have the correct number or the correct amount of mashed potatoes. Um, thank you for your willingness to serve. And, and as Paul was saying, it, it, the, what you see up here on the screen, our vision, uh, vision five, um, which is, you know, our, our goal is to have for Easter Sunday 500 people worshiping here, uh, 50 new believers in Jesus, and because of that, launching five new small groups to help disciple those new believers. Uh, everything that we're doing leading up to Easter, including our Christmas activities, has helped setting the stage for that. So it's a great opportunity during the Christmas season to um, just welcome in your friends, neighbors, coworkers, uh, family members, even um, during the holiday season. Uh, we want to be an open door uh, that allows people to help take one step closer to the cross of Christ. Um, I want to invite you to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Gospel of Luke chapter 2. This is the classic Christmas event, Christmas story that we're going to read today. But I'm excited about this in particular because I think there's some really neat stuff that, that the Holy Spirit is going to show us today that perhaps we've not seen before. Luke chapter 2, right at verse 1. I'm just going to read straight through the story and then and we'll, we'll chat. 
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, we've just heard the Christmas story, but we're going to back up from the Christmas story for a moment and kind of get the big picture here. So here's our timeline again, right? We have creation, we have our timeline, we're going to put right in the middle here the birth and death of Christ, and we're somewhere over here in world history today. In the days of Moses, so we're going way back, from the birth of Christ, I don't know, somewhere around 13, 1400 years backwards, okay? The days of Moses, the Lord gives um, the law, instructions about how to live, how to worship. Um, it's the, the Old Testament, okay? The Old Testament as we know it today, was, and, and, and Moses writes this down, and, and from that point forward, Generation after generation after generation, year after year after year after year, the Jews would perform these same rituals, these same feasts and festivals each and every year in preparation for as they're looking toward the day that Messiah is going to come. Now, one of those feasts is Passover. Now, you're like, wait, Passover? That, we're in the wrong season here for Passover. Yes, we are. But we're backing up from today's season. We need to look at Passover a little bit. Passover happens leading up to Easter Sunday for us, if you're thinking about our calendar. And the, and, and the Passover uh, feast 
was, was very particular, very precise, things that they, uh, there, there was precision involved in, in this event. And each family would participate in this event in their home. And then there was a, uh, a national event. Uh, all Israel would, would gather, and there would be an, an event that would happen in the, in the temple, okay? So a family-oriented one and then, and then a group-oriented one. And one of the things that the family would have to do, each and every family, is they'd have to purchase a lamb. They'd have to get a hold of a lamb, as spotless of a lamb as they could find, and they would bring it into their home for a while, kind of fatten it up, and it would, they would treat it like a pet, okay? And then on the day that the Passover meal was supposed to happen, they would slaughter the lamb, and it would be um, all this stuff that they would have to do, including eating the lamb. It was part of the system. Now, the whole nation, the, the, the priests as well in the temple area, they would have a, a, a lamb that they would bring in, and this one would be a perfect lamb, a, a spotless lamb, and they would bring that in, and they would do the same thing, and this would be the corporate Passover lamb that would be offered in the sacrificial system. And this is something that they did year after year after year, okay? Every generation and they're leading up to this time. Now, when it comes to finding these lambs, there was one place to go, and it was Bethlehem. Now, normally, your regular sheep, your regular sheep would be out in the wilderness. Shepherds would take the regular sheep out in the wilderness, and they weren't really allowed to be near town. But this particular flock, there was a particular flock that was allowed to be near town because this particular flock was special. It was unique. Um, it was the one where the Passover lambs were raised. They were raised, they were contained, they were protected, they were preserved. And, and there was a lot involved in, in taking care of this particular flock that was right nearby Bethlehem. And if you go to Bethlehem today even, you can see the fields that this would happen in. These shepherds that were overseeing this particular flock, overseeing the flock of Passover lambs, were serving the temple, okay? Um, some would say that they were priests functioning in the shepherd role, I don't know about that. I couldn't quite get a verification on that, but certainly these shepherds were not just your average, lowly, mundane shepherds. They, these were shepherds with real purpose and real fervency about what they did. As they're overseeing um, this, this flock, if, if there was a mama sheep that was about to have her baby, they would bring that mama sheep into a protected environment. And when that sheep was born when that lamb was born immediately they would they would they would wrap up the lamb they would swaddle the lamb very tightly because what they didn't want to happen was they didn't want this baby lamb to start kicking and 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 moving or flailing around and which would normally take place they didn't want it to injure itself they didn't want any blemishes to happen to this so they would take the lamb immediately it was so valuable and they would wrap it up tightly starting to see something, right? Starting, 
see some significant imagery. I even had these feeding troughs in there called mangers. And they would be known to place these newborn baby lambs in the mangers as, 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 a, as a safe place to let them rest as they're in these swaddled cloths. Year after year after year after year, generation after generation after generation, this would happen in this area. It was unique to all the rest of Israel. And so people, when they're on their way to the Passover festival, they knew this was the place to get, to purchase, to get their hands on a Passover lamb for their family. And certainly the Passover lamb that was used for the corporate setting came squarely out of this place. See, when we, when we read the Christmas story, us Gentiles, okay, us non-Jewish people, we have a tendency to, to read this story and, and it's like all these random things and we know the story well, right? There's, there's, we probably could have quoted this story without actually reading through it. But they seem to us to be lots of different random things that just happen to be a part of this thing called the Christmas story. When I wonder if there is far more purpose and 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 divine kind of God stuff really happening in this story that maybe we weren't even aware of. See, we, we think that there being no room in the inn is totally just this random thing that happened. It was just happened to be too crowded that day. And so Mary and Joseph weren't, couldn't find a regular room to stay in. And believe me, they wanted a regular room to stay in. After traveling as far as they had traveled, they don't want to sleep outside. Hey, they want a regular bed. And she's about to have a baby. Believe me, she wants regular, as, as regular as, as can be. But there was no room. There was no place for them to go. And so they end up in this uncomfortable place. And we have a tendency to think that this is just a random thing that happened and this is just happens to be where they landed. She gives birth. She wraps the baby in these swaddling cloths and places the baby in this manger. And immediately we go to the other scene. Nearby, shepherds living out in the fields. They're nearby. That tells us immediately who we're talking about here. We're not talking about random, lowly shepherds. We're talking about the temple shepherds. We're talking about the shepherds that, that, are, that are overseeing the Passover flock. Shepherds that have real purpose, that have real understanding, have real care and concern about the Passover lambs and how to care for them. They're, this is their daily thing, right? Wrapping up these baby sheep in swaddling cloths. This is their norm. This is their norm. They're out doing their thing, their regular thing, 
when the angels come to them and says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, so right there nearby Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. This is, this is a big clue for us. This is a big clue for us that this is not just a bunch of random things happening, but there is clear, poignant purpose going here. This will be the sign to you, shepherds, who do this particular task each and every day with purpose. You will find this baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, when they hear these words, what are they thinking immediately? You know what they're thinking immediately, right? I mean, we're just kind of getting this information now. This is new to us, and it really shouldn't be new to us, but we have a tendency to look at our Bible stories without Jewish lenses. And when we do that, man, we just miss so much of of what's happening. They hear this, this sign, the sign that's to them. They know exactly what this means. And they know exactly what this means, not just because of the sign, but they also know that this is the right general time frame for Messiah to show up. They know this because Daniel has prophesied this. There's a particular time frame, according to the book of Daniel, that Messiah is going to arrive, and they know they're, they're inside of it. So they know it's the right time, and now they've got this amazing presentation happening to them. Angels are coming straight from heaven, singing and, and declaring this announcement, and when you go to see this place, the sign, the, the proof text, you will know that it's him because this is what you're going to find. Wrapped up in swaddling cloths. Lying in a manger. Passover lamb. That's what they're thinking. It's interesting that the angels don't even give instruction about where to go. Right? We don't have that information. It just says what the, what the sign will be, but it doesn't say, now go, go down this street, turn left, on second right, after this tree, you're going to... I wonder if that is because Mary and Joseph and Jesus are actually in that, that special place designated for bringing the Passover lambs that where they bring those, these baby lambs, these moms in to have these babies. The exact manger that they use. Perhaps it's even the exact swaddling cloths that they had that they were keeping there. Now, I, I say the word perhaps. But I'm going to tell you that deep down in my heart, I just believe that is fact. It just sounds and feels like God to me. A God who is very much involved in the details. 
A God who, who implements something over a thousand years before. And instructing these people to do this year after year after year after year. Why? So that when the real event happens, there's no room for doubt. These guys find everything just as they were told. And they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they seen him, they began to spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. Imagine what that report sounded like. Because it's not going to behave. There was this random event that happened. These random angels showed up and told us about this random baby who was laying in a pile of hay, and it was really cool. That's not their report. There's no way. Messiah has come. We saw him. I wonder if they even began to talk about connecting him with the Passover lamb. See, that would really kind of wreck their ideology, honestly, because you got to understand, they, they, their hope of Messiah was hung on the fact that he was going to set up this new kingdom and he was going to overthrow, uh, kick Rome out of, the, out of the territory, and they were going to be this great nation again, that the days of of, of King David and King Solomon and how excellent everything was all the way back here and how long it's been since they've had that, that that was going to be reinstated again. So could they have really understood that Jesus was born so that he would one day die on a, cro- on a Roman cross of all things? Probably not connecting all those dots. But nonetheless, Messiah has come. The word Bethlehem. Anybody in here know what that word actually means? What the literal definition of Bethlehem is? I didn't know it until this week. I don't know why I never looked it up before. It means house of bread. Literally means house of bread. I read that and immediately thought about what Jesus said about himself in John chapter 6. Look at this verse. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You got to understand the context in in which he's saying this is so controversial, and and people are puzzled by what he's saying, and he keeps reiterating. He's like, yep, you're going to have to eat my flesh, and you're going to have to drink my blood. And they're like, what? And so many of the people that are listening to him are like, "I 
uh, I, this is too hard for me. And he loses a lot of his followers in this, in this story here, this, this part of his ministry. And yet those of us sitting here today understand, I mean, when we, when we do communion and, and we're going we're to participate in communion together on Christmas Eve, and we take the bread and, and, and we, we drink the wine, we drink the juice and understand that it represents His broken body and His shed blood for us. I just can't get past this. The bread of life was born in the house of bread and placed on a feeding tray we call a manger. That's exactly what a manger was. It was a, a feeding tray. We think of manger, we think of a bed because that's, Jesus was lying in this manger. But it's, it's, a, it's a feeding tray. The bread of life, born in the house of bread, placed in a feeding tray. And, when I, and I, that is the sign to me today. The, the whole purpose of his birth and all the miraculous things surrounding his birth, the fact that she was a virgin, the fact that they couldn't find a, a regular place to stay, and, and, and here they are in, in Bethlehem. Why are they in Bethlehem? Because he's in the line of David. And so they had to go to Bethlehem to, to register because this, this king... Caesar, who has nothing to do with Scripture and nothing to do with, with Judaism or, 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 or godliness and on any level, has issued this decree. All, and, and, oh, and then these angels show up and begin to speak to what we perceive as lowly shepherds, but we find out that they're, they're significant shepherds. All of that seems like signs, but I'm just, I'm like overwhelmed at the fact that the bread of life has come. And whoever would believe in him will never be hungry or thirsty. Now, obviously, he doesn't mean that Literally, I still have regular food and I still drink water and diet soda and stuff like that. Yes. So clearly I'm still thirsty and hungry in a literal sense, but there is something that he's saying here that's really profound about our souls. This hunger and thirst that we have that we're born with to, to find and experience spirituality, this God whole that, ha, that, that we have in here that only He can fill. Now see, some of us have been walking with God for a long time and that hole has been filled and, 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 and we have been experiencing fellowship, relationship with Him, but some of us, that is still... That hole is still there. And that, that spiritual hunger and thirst 
still exists. We've been seeking, looking, wondering, maybe even waiting for trying to find answers to that, trying to find different ways to fill that. And oftentimes, us humans, when we do that, we, make, we find ourselves in significant trouble, significant problems happening in our lives because we're looking for those answers in really the wrong place. And Jesus simply says, it's, it's me you're looking for. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, whoever would choose to believe in me, I will fulfill all of that within them, within you. With your eyes closed, just a natural opportunity for us to just sort of reflect, self, self-reflection. I'm not going to pretend to know your journey. I'm not going to pretend to know or understand where you're at spiritually. But as you hear this story today, as you, as you hear this, this one little scripture out of John, this, just this declaration that the bread of life has come, born in the house of bread. And he has, he has come with purpose. A significant portion of that purpose has already been accomplished in that he, he did become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and he did die on a cross perfect and spotless lamb. By the way, wrapped in cloths one more time, buried in a tomb, and then three days later arose. See, his, his, his death on the cross wasn't the end of the story. It was the beginning of salvation for us. He overcame death. by becoming the perfect Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The wages of our sin is death, people. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's perfection. That is just the truth of every human that has ever lived except for Jesus himself. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that is what is extended to us even this morning. If you would only believe. That is the question that comes before each and every one of us. Will we choose to believe? in who Jesus is and what He has done. Again, I'm not going to presume to know your journey today, but perhaps this is where you're at in your journey. And, and 
you find yourself in a place where you're ready to say yes to him. I, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. I don't want to let this moment pass us by without making sure that everyone has had a chance to say yes to God's plan. If you want to accept Jesus as Savior today, this free gift of salvation, eternity, eternal life, if that's something that you want to do today, I just want to ask you, everybody's eyes are closed, it's just me looking, okay? Because it's a personal decision, and I can't make it for you, and the person sitting next to you can't make this for you, it's, it's you. It's a, it's a personal decision that each one of us has to make, but it has a corporate um, result to it because when we say yes to Jesus, we, we end up finding ourselves saying yes to his, his family, the, the church. So if, if that's a, a decision you want to make today, I just want to invite you to raise up your hand. I'll just be the only one looking. You want to say yes to Jesus today, you want to accept his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness in your life, just slip up your hand. I want to make sure that we've all had a chance to do that. Most of us in here have already done that. I see two, two hands. Any, anyone else? Anyone else? I want to say, I'm going to lead out in a prayer. I want to invite all of us in this room to repeat after me. And we're, we're praying this prayer along with these two that have, have raised their hands today. And it's, it's a simple prayer. All, all I'm doing is, 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 it's a prayer of confession. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to confess truth about Jesus, truth about me as a human, and, 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 and then truth about buying into his plan. I want to invite you to pray along with uh, repeat after me, and you're praying along with these two that, that are praying this, um, as far as we know, for the first time in their lives. So would you repeat after me, Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to the earth. Born of a virgin, becoming the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You did this by dying on a cross for my sin, for the sin of the whole world. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. It is you. I believe in you. I believe in what you have done. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I confess it to you and I lay it before you and I let go of it. Forgive me, cleanse me, and begin to change me. Make me into the person you want me to be. I am yours and you are mine. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Man, there, there is a huge celebration happening right now in heaven, and I think we should join in that. Would you just, let's celebrate these two.
Now, they've just begun a journey and that most of us are on. We're, we're, we're a part of this thing called the body of Christ because we have bought into his plan. And, and so this is, this is a reminder to us about why, why we celebrate Christmas in the first place, the whole reason for it all. It's this amazing event where Messiah arrived. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me? I want to say a blessing over you. I want to invite you as well to to pray for these two new believers in Jesus. Just that, um, pray for them this week um, and um, that uh, the the Spirit will, will continue to um, grow them and, and begin this growth journey for them um, and uh, how exciting that is. So we say a blessing over you and then we will depart from this place. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May his countenance come upon you. May his spirit fill you and empower you and transform you this week. Have an amazing week walking in Advent as we head towards Christmas Sunday and Christmas Day. Be blessed. Have an amazing week. See you next Sunday. Sleep.